Getting sober requires a lot more than mind over matter, a lot more than willpower. It's about leveraging the support around you. People in recovery typically need a mix of medical help, emotional support, and changes in lifestyle to manage their addiction, not just mental determination. As both a therapist and someone embracing the recovery lifestyle, there's one tool I always recommend to people needing extra accountability, Soberlink. Soberlink is a high-tech breath analyzer system designed to help you get and stay sober. And here's why I love it. You'll test the same day every day, eliminating testing anxiety. Friends and family receive instant test results, helping you rebuild trust and preventing relapse. Accountability is a part of that, and it's something to really be embraced. Devices have built-in facial recognition, so your support circle knows you're testing, and tamper-resistant sensors flag any attempts at trying to beat the system, so your sobriety is never questioned. So let 2024 be your best year yet. Visit Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M to sign up and receive $50 off your device. That's Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M. And let accountability be your guide. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. My name is Dwayne Osterlund, and I'm your host, Our guest today is Rabbi Simon Jacobson, and he is going to talk about bringing meaning to your life, especially by giving back and helping others, and especially during this time of COVID-19 and how we can make meaning out of our suffering by helping others and also by seeing how little control we actually do have in this world and in this life and by being able to let go. It was a wonderful conversation. I was really thankful to be able to have him on the podcast and talk to him. What an incredibly generous spirit. So um, I hope you enjoy the interview as much as I did. And uh, don't forget, If you are enjoying the Addicted Mind podcast, please rate and review us in iTunes or share the podcast with a friend. And also think about joining our Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and type in the Addicted Mind podcast and click join and continue the conversation online. Also, don't forget that I'm looking for messages of hope. So if you'd like to record a quick two-minute audio of your message of hope that can be shared on the podcast, I'd really appreciate it. Go to the addictedmind.com forward slash hope and record your message to others out there who might be struggling. Share your message of recovery and it can be your own story. It can be a poem, it can be a quote, it can be anything that's meaningful to you that you think might help somebody else out there who's struggling. So if that's a fit for you, please go to theaddictedmind.com forward slash hope and record your message. All right, everybody, let's start this episode. All right, everybody, welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. 
My guest today is Rabbi Simon Jacobson, and he is going to talk about making meaning out of suffering. So, uh, Simon, can you introduce yourself? Sure. First of all, Dwayne, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. And uh, especially in these times where we're all digging deeper. So, uh, as you said, my name is Simon Jacobson. I am an author of a famous book called Toward a Meaningful Life, as well as other books. I'm also the dean and founder of the Meaningful Life Center. That's www.meaningfullife.com. I'm a counselor and a mentor to many, written many articles, really all about bridging the spiritual and the secular, how to find deeper meaning in our modern times. So uh, I call from many different sources, especially my own background, my Jewish background from mystical teachings, but primarily making it very relevant and applicable to real life on the ground, not just in the abstract, but uh, life skills and tools. And I can say in the last month or two, I've never been as busy because of uh, the pandemic that's uh, caused people to um, be digging deeper, looking inside their hearts and souls. Once your outer stimuli has somewhat been disrupted, then the only other stimuli you have is from within. Absolutely. And uh, if it wasn't for all the grief and the loss and the health uh, challenges, this is really like a spiritual wake-up call in so many ways. I think that's so much why I wanted to have you on the podcast, because as we're going through COVID-19 and we're forced to stop and we're forced to look and we're forced to be with ourselves, which is very much the opposite of addiction, where when we're in addiction, we're, we're striving to be out of ourselves or striving to change ourselves. And in a way, COVID-19 has forced all of us to be present. Absolutely. Because uh, listen, when you're running to your job or you're going to a restaurant or you're going to a baseball game or some entertainment, uh, you know, everybody had many different comfort zones and security blankets. And when that's all upended, then uh, what do you do now? You're not in control of your schedule. You're not in control of your travel plans. So many of us are really rising to the occasion. You find people doing beautiful, beautiful acts of volunteerism and right. nobility. But others are really uh, suffering because... If you were challenged before, this can only amplify your challenges. If you felt alone before, if you felt depressed, if you were addicted, all these things become great challenges today because you don't have all the usual escapes. Right. You can't get away from it. You're in it. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about when, so I guess, just start at the very beginning, meaningful. You know, when people say meaningful life, what does that mean? I think in the, use a very good, I think, good business example, you know, in Business 101, no company can exist without a mission statement, the mission of that company. And it has to be unique, has to be short, and has to encompass everything that company will do. Just use Google as an example. I'm not advocating Google, I'm just saying, because everybody knows. Right, right. So Google's mission statement is to organize all the information in the world and make it readily accessible. So I, I always ask people, I say, so tell me, if a business can't function without a mission statement, can you? What's your personal mission? So I would say life of meaning means a life where you have an end, not just the means. Someone will say, my purpose in life is to make money. That's a means. What are you going to do with the money? Your purpose in life is to be happy. What are you going to do with the happiness? So meaning means some type of cause, some higher purpose that you can say that my life's activities, the mark I want to make in this world, in a way, my indispensable contribution that I bring to the world and to the universe and to my loved ones and to strangers is fill in the blank, is so-and-so. Right. So really, it's about 
every mission statement is never about you or about the company. It's about what need are you serving and what cause are you serving. Right. What are you going towards? A lot of time in addiction, some ways it's like my meaning is I just got to get out of pain. I got to get out of my trauma. I got to get out of my depression. I got to get out of my anxiety. As far as thinking about a bigger purpose, that sometimes can seem so far away. Absolutely. But I would take it a step further. A person who's addicted to whatever it may be is uh, what they call, it's a form of uh, attraction disorder or attachment disorder. They're attached to the wrong thing. Right. Whether it's a drug or alcohol or behavior or sex or gambling. and Attachment is good, but you got to be attached to the right things. So essentially, if a person was attached and devoted to their mission, to a calling, you know, let's say you, Dwayne, you're doing this beautiful podcast, you reach thousands of people with a hopeful message, with perhaps some insight, some clarity, that is, you should be attached to it. This should be something you're like married to. So I, would, I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't use the word addiction, but it's still an attachment. And when you have healthy attachments, it helps weaken that, the wrong attachments. It's like a person thirsty and they're desperate to drink and they're drinking toxins instead of water. Right. So you have to find the right way to fill that need and that vacuum that you described, anxiety or the depression. That's the challenge because once you've gotten attached or addicted to the wrong things, very difficult to tear yourself away from it because you think that's my only uh, outlet. It's my only relief. Right. And sometimes that relief you know, from a drug or something can come so fast where I think in some ways making meaning is a little bit harder or slower. I don't know. That's my thought anyway. Well, no, you're right. That's why, of course, every day they call it the long, short road and the short, long road. It's always best to preempt. If you're uh, listening to this and you have children or you have uh, students or something like that, if you can teach them from young age how to fill their void, how to feel their yearnings with healthy outlets, with transcendent causes, you will in most likelihood preempt and prevent the unhealthy attachments to some extent. Once you're in it, obviously, uh, listen, the instant gratification, the quick fix is always easier than the long-term solution. And I think addicts have that challenge because so many of them want to get out of their situation, but the immediate high, you know, I, I can easily get relief I'll just do something or, or, or ingest something or smoke something or, or drink something, that is a very powerful uh, stimulant. And, uh, and that's why I always advise that it's vital to not do this cold turkey. It's like if you've been ingesting toxins for years and years, you're now addicted to it. So now you want to bring in fresh air, do it slowly. You know, introduce one little act, one good deed, help somebody, especially now in this uh, quarantine, uh, COVID-19 environment. And slowly as you connect the things that have real permanent value, it becomes easier to free yourself from other things. But I'm not, I'm not suggesting it's simple at all. If it was simple, we wouldn't have a problem. Right, exactly. I mean, but, but also that sometimes breaking it down to that simple statement of do one good thing, it's, it's a place to start. It's like sometimes, because you can feel so hopeless in addiction that that little statement, okay, I just got to do one thing, can be enough to, to maybe start that cascade of good things. It's, it's exactly right. You know, there's the, there's the opposite of the Chinese water torture where, you know, every drop, drop, drop. A drop of water doesn't sound like much, but over time, it begins to actually make an indelible impression and effect. And 
people who try to do things like uh, cram it all in one, one, in one shot, it doesn't have sustainable value. It's important to create healthy routines. You wake up in the morning, take a minute or two, be a little mindful, uh, say a prayer or whatever works for you, but something that's internal. These small little acts, when they accumulate day after day, they become part of your routine, even habit. They have tremendous power, especially to counter other habits. So it's a it's a it's a place to start. Yeah. So step by step, step by step. So how do we deal with pain and that hurt and that suffering? Like in this COVID nineteen, where we have tragedy in front of us. I would say the following: pain and suffering, of course, has been with us from the beginning of human history, and all different approaches how to alleviate it, how to understand it. I speak now, yes, from a long history of the Jewish people who've suffered greatly at the hands of many different uh, hosts, even down to the last Holocaust. And if you could sum it up in a formula, and I think Viktor Frankl did it well in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, Logotherapy. And that is that talk about purpose and meaning. As he puts it, if you have a why in your life, you can deal with any what. Meaning, if you have a purpose in life, Suffering is not less, but you have a bigger picture. It's like looking at the bigger horizon. You realize that the narrative of life is bigger than the immediate pleasures and pains. So you think of it like a journey. Think of it like watching a film or reading a book. And there's a painful chapter, but the narrative continues. Your life continues. History continues. So that context doesn't answer the big question, why do good people suffer? but it gives you the additional resilience, that additional strength and power to get through it. And you'll see this in recovery. Anyone who's gone through recovery will tell you, like the first step, I have lost control over my life. I realized that I, uh, I cannot control that. So I surrendered to some higher power. And it is then when you begin to build your strengths, when you convince yourself that you're all powerful and you're invincible and invulnerable, and then the storm strikes, you suddenly realize you're not, you're overwhelmed. And the pain can destroy you. The pain, the trauma can overwhelm you. But those that have developed that maturity, and I would say even humility, that I could be comfortable with not being in control. I'm comfortable with the unknown. I'm comfortable with being vulnerable. That gives you that additional edge to be able to see it through. So it's not an answer to pain. And it doesn't explain it. It's almost, I, I, I sometimes put it this way. We don't never find an answer why an innocent person suffers. Why did COVID-19 take beautiful people, beautiful souls, did nothing wrong, and kill them? The same, same ways as like a car hits a little child, a mother's grieving over a newborn child that was killed in an accident. Or all the injustices that humans have perpetrated, these seemingly senseless deaths. You're not going to find an answer. What answer are you going to explain? Like, what, what, what answer would even be acceptable? You're going to find a reason why one and a half million Jewish children, little boys and girls, were gassed by the Nazis? You're going to explain why certain children are born with handicaps and horrible limitations? So coming to a peace with that you, you don't have an answer why, but you know what? You can ask, what am I going to do about it? I'm not going to be a victim. I may have suffered, but I don't become a sufferer. I'm not going to be identified by my pain. I will use it as a catalyst. How am I going to become a better person? How will I achieve deeper refinement? It's when a person comes to that epiphany, when they begin to, I don't want to say master pain, 
where they begin to learn how to transcend it and not allow it to debilitate them. So it's not an answer. You see, we humans, we love our minds. We love control. I need control. And suddenly my whole life has been uh, ripped away from me, you know, whether it's now or other forms of trauma. You come to realize, no, you're not in control. You were never in control. And that type of surrender allows you to really grow and become a far greater person. Absolutely. I think, you know, as, as you put that in, into, into words, go back to some of my own trauma. And I lost a child very early. And I think about that a lot and how you do, in a way, have to let go and stop searching for the reason because <laughs> there is none. And you do learn to let go that you really don't have any control. And there's a certain piece that that comes with that process, like you said, transcending those very painful experiences. Um, I'm, I'm sorry to hear about your loss, but I'm sure you have come to um, grow through it. Yeah. I, I'm not going to, I don't like to assume, but I would venture to say I, that part of the reason that you do this podcast is probably part of what uh, is an outgrowth of your own experiences. Absolutely. It, it totally is because you realize that, yeah, you don't have control. It makes things just much easier. A lot of things that were important are no longer important. And I think, you know, when I'm, when I'm thinking about this, as we're, as we're talking, I'm also thinking about how when people maybe who are listening to this podcast and they are in that place of loss and grief and suffering that they know that there, there is a way out of that by letting go, by like what you were saying earlier, looking at the big picture, seeing the story, seeing the other side. Right. You know, a part of it is also serving. When you see the, you see, let me, let, let's use the other side example. When you see someone consumed with their own uh, pain and loss and trauma, there's a certain, I don't want to use the word selfishness because my heart goes out to anyone who suffers, but but when you become so consumed with it, that becomes your enemy because it starts eating you up. You know, you start thinking thoughts. Why did it happen? I didn't deserve it. You're angry. You're bitter. You're resentful. When you take the energy and say, you know what? I'm going to help somebody in the in need. I'm going to help somebody that was in that same situation. You know, I see, for example, parents who've lost a child often go help other parents who've lost a child. That effort is the most healing thing you can do. Because it takes, first of all, it takes away the focus on you and your pain. It's not about you. And the service is part of the bigger picture. Not an explanation why it happened, but you, in a way, redeem it. Because it would be even worse tragedy that the tragedy was in vain. At least here you can say, okay, I suffered. But I've used that suffering to become a more sensitive person, a more empathetic person, a more understanding person. I'm someone that can help others in that situation. That is the healthy ways of channeling loss and trauma always consistently yeah and you know i see that a lot in my work too as people get some support to move through the initial pain of trauma well however that shows up in our life loss grief addiction whatever all the consequences of addiction as people move through that and get support from others they begin to do that for other people and they begin to make meaning out of all of that that tragedy by by giving it to other people in a way by giving the healing to other people by supporting other people oh yeah that's definitely so important how long have you been doing the podcast podcast i've been probably doing this podcast for about four years now so yeah and it is part of that 
going through that, I remember there was a moment where I, I said, in the midst of it, I had said to myself, I have to live a good life because my daughter didn't get a life, if that makes sense. So I have to do something with her death in, in order to make it meaningful and purposeful and to, to do something with it. I don't know. There was just a, there was a strong calling that I had to do something with it. So, and that's impacted much of my life in, in many different areas. It's enabled me to let go and, and have some freedom to just do it because a lot of the things, like I said earlier, that seemed important just don't seem that important anymore. But what I'd also add to that, this was over, over 10 years ago, but it's taken time, right? I don't want to say I just did that and I was fine. It took time to get there, to discover it. But it was also, as you said, through the support of others who had been through it as well, who helped me transcend that. And I guess in a way, doing this podcast is a way for me to give that back to other people too, to help people through pain and hurt. And and I mean, it sounds a lot for you as well. Absolutely. Look, you know, there's something about, you ever hear of the concept mirror neurons? Mm -hmm. Lately, it's been a lot, discussed a lot in neuroscience and and psychology. Mirror neurons is a mysterious type of uh, interaction between people. If I see, for example, someone about to slam the door on their fingers, God forbid, even if I'm standing at a distance, I may like say, ouch, or like squirm. Right. Because you're like mirroring their feeling. There's something about human empathy where we, our hearts reach to each other. Using a, a famous expression from the Song of Songs, where he says, uh, from the book of Proverbs rather, that like a face is reflected in water, so is one heart reflected in another. That when you show empathy to someone, in some ways you help them. And you help them, you help yourself. Uh, the exact counterintuitive, when people are in pain, they like to isolate themselves and separate. No, that's the time you need to show love because then love comes back to you. And uh, it's a tremendous tool in healing, especially when the difficult times. Do not retreat in your pain. And in, obviously everyone needs their space and I'm not suggesting not to take your own time out, but serving and helping others is one of the greatest ways to heal from your own uh, own losses, and that's true all the time. I see it. I see it now in this in the, the environment we're in. Those that are serving, those that are helping others, are far easier to deal with all the challenges we're facing today. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's such a such an important part is being able to give back. I mean, even in the twelve step program, that's kind of some of the final steps is to be able to give back and move the message forward. And I think they realize that. It also gives you dignity because you feel yeah. you're valuable. You have something to give, you know? Right, yeah. You have something to give. You have something to add. It helps build up your own sense of worth and value, especially, I think, for someone who's struggling with addiction, is that they've gone against their own values. They've gone against their own self in many ways for the addiction to, to flourish. And so when they can give back, they can begin to, to feel better about themselves, that they're, they're also valuable. Internally, they can begin to see that. Exactly. And it's critical not to allow yourself to get demoralized where your own inner dignity and inner human majesty gets compromised. Right. And that's why I tell people, look, now you're, stay, you're stuck at home. 
Don't stay in your pajamas. Get dressed. Treat yourself like a like a noble, mm-hmm. like a like you're noble, that like you're dignified. Don't succumb to, uh, to hopelessness and to uh, resignation. Right. Tell me a little bit about uh, writing your book and why you did that and what that means to you. Yeah, well, I've written several books. The book I mentioned earlier, Toward a Meaningful Life, I wrote initially 25 years ago. Wow. It was, my, well, my life has been, I was immersed for many years in very uh, academic, scholarly type of study of spirituality, mysticism, Jewish philosophy, and law. For many years, I worked for the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Menachem Schneerson, and one of my jobs was very unique. On Saturday and on holidays, in Jewish law, you don't record talks or take notes. You had to memorize. I was like a walking tape recorder. I was able to retain almost verbatim hours and hours of these dense talks. And they were about all, all about every area of life, relationships, marriage, intimacy, pain, suffering, children, uh, you name it dealing with uh, personal challenges. And um, in 1995, I determined I have to write a book because a lot of it was in very original academic language, inaccessible to many, and distill it into a very practical guide. So what I did was I actually asked people, tell me, what are the 30 most important topics in your life? And everybody, men or women, a faith of no faith, different religions, no religion, young and old, all have the same interesting uh, priorities. Obviously, in different stages of life, we have different uh, needs, but like things like childhood, education, uh, love, marriage, intimacy, pain and suffering, money, um, health, uh, depression, anxiety. Uh, so I wrote a, a, a chapter on each of these topics. I divided it into three sections. The personal section, which deals with interpersonal issues, like I just mentioned, many of them. The second is the social section, like um, technology, women and men, uh, responsibility, government, leadership. And a third section, theological topics like God, unity, good and evil, miracles, redemption. And it was a very well-received book. It's been translated into 13 languages. It sold hundreds of thousands, probably sold around a half a million copies. And uh, as an outgrowth of that, because of the demand, it was published by William Morrow initially in 1995. And many times since, it's still in print, available everywhere. And as a result, the demand I, I, it grew into what's called the Meaningful Life Center, MeaningfulLife.com, which essentially is, provides people with life skills and resources. It's my mission. Talk about mission. This is my life mission, is to help people find their mission, help people clear the blocked paths into their own psyches so they can find, as uh, Oliver Wendell Holmes put it so well and so, so devastatingly in his poem called Voice, The Voiceless, Alas to those that die with their song still inside them. Alas. And my goal is to teach people to sing, to discover their voice and have the courage to sing it. And you have a unique music, a unique voice that you and only you can contribute. That you really matter. That you are really mattered for now and forever. You're not dispensable. You're not negligible. Even if there's seven and a half billion people on this planet, your contribution is necessary for the rest of us to be complete. I love that. I love that so much. I mean, when I work with people who are in the midst of trying to find that, or they don't realize they have their song in them, and that it's beautiful. It's just so heartbreaking. And to be able to help people find that, uh, that's, that is, like you said, it's, it's amazing. As they say, I don't know who coined this, but 
You were born an original, don't become a copy. Yeah, exactly. And oh man, if, if yeah, you want to help people do that. <laughs> Any way we can. Look, I think we're dedicated to similar cause. This is what we're all here. I mean, we are all able to actually contribute in that way. And I think now in this pandemic, in this COVID-19 situation, more than ever, people are receptive to this message because they're seeing what really is valuable is not my uh, dinner date or my uh, performing arts uh, event or other, I'm not taking away from them, but other temporary uh, stimuli, but it's really our inner values. What do we stand for? What do we believe in? What are we ready to fight for? And now it's a, it's a real wake-up call because when your outer life is disrupted, your inner life is waiting for you to uh, embrace it. Right. And I think, like you were saying earlier, looking at our, our meaning give us, gives us the resiliency to move through difficult, painful times. Absolutely. And um, look, we're all in it together, as everyone keeps saying, and it's true. It's an equalizer, which should also teach us something, that all the petty differences and uh, disagreements and divisiveness is really meaningless. At the end of the day, we, each of us is a unique voice, as I said, a unique soul. We need each other, and we need each one of us. It's like a, a beautiful analogy. It's a, be- a great cosmic musical composition. Every note is necessary, and every note needs the other notes. If we were able to develop that attitude, we can actually create out of this 2020 uh, COVID-19 pandemic, I believe a pandemic of goodness and kindness that will create a higher state of uh, spiritual consciousness and awareness. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I think this is such an opportunity for us to come together and to, to give and to celebrate each other and human life and the beauty that, that comes with that. Yeah, that's that's what we are. That's I think, you know, you're either going to be part of the problem or part of the solution. I think we all have to ask ourselves that. And I think it's easy to become part of the solution if you mobilize yourself and say, I'm not going to just succumb and and retreat in fear or cower right. in fear. Rather, do something. Yeah. Every one of us has unbelievable skills. We have uh, ways to reach out to others. And now is the opportunity. You can, get, you can give someone a call, reconnect with someone you haven't spoken to in years. There's so many ways to do it, especially through technology. Look, you and I, we probably wouldn't have spoken were it not for this uh, crisis. Um, That's right. Connected then, hopefully connected with all your listeners in a beautiful way. I think that is uh, tremendous. That's That to me is uh, is redeeming. It's, it's healthy. It's uh, empowering. It's almost in a way happening right in this moment as we're talking, that coming together and uh, celebrating that. And then hopefully... As people are listening to this podcast, they can feel that same thing. Exactly, and they and they have to and and make a move. Don't just listen and absorb. Act, do something, reach out, share. Right. So as we kind of come up on our time here, I usually like to ask if there's one thing that you'd want to say to the listeners out there. What would it be? The mere fact that you exist in this time means you have a unique role and mission to play. We're here in 2020 during an unprecedented crisis. You have a mission. Your mission is to reach out to your sphere of influence, to your loved ones, even to strangers, anyone you can reach to, and do something positive, some kind word, share, inspire, 
reach out to someone who may be in need and needs a delivery of some food. This is an opportunity, a historical opportunity to demonstrate what the human spirit's about. So each one of you, and I say to each one, do something in this regard and it will come back to you many times over. The love you give will be the love you receive. Oh, I love that. Thank you, Simon, so much for saying that. And thank you for coming on to the Addicted Mind podcast. How can people find you? If they want more information or want to learn more or hear you speak more, how, how can they find you? The easiest way to go to our, my website, it's www.meaningfullife.com. One long word with two L's, meaningfullife.com. There's a, a array of resources for all different, for children, for teens, for adults, for people in recovery. We created a special Corona section. So please take advantage. We have, I also have begun producing last two months ago, a thing called Your Daily Spiritual Antidote. It's a three minute video or podcast that really boosts and bolsters your emotional and psychological immunity. It's all the negative stuff out there, a way of really exercising so-called your spiritual muscles. So check that out. That's, uh, these are all free items and please take advantage. And if I could be of help to anyone, it's easier to reach me just at MeaningfulLife.com again. Awesome. And that already leads you to many different programs and videos and classes and articles. You name it. Oh. We'll post this podcast once it's ready, Al. I'll be happy to post a link to it. Oh, great. I, I love it. Thank you so much for coming on and, and talking and just sharing your wisdom and your thoughts and your beautiful, generous spirit. Thank you, Dwayne, for having me. It was a really nice speaking with you. You're a gentle and beautiful spirit, I can tell as well. And that's beautiful. I'm glad we intersected. Yeah, me too. Thanks. Okay, thank you. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Addicted Mind podcast. All the show notes will be at theaddictedmind.com forward slash 98. Once again, thank you for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate and review us in iTunes or share the podcast with a friend and don't forget, join our Facebook group. That'd be awesome. Go to Facebook and just type in the Addicted Mind podcast. We'll show up, click join and uh, continue the conversation there. All right, everyone, please have a wonderful day and I will talk to you on the next episode. Oh, hey, it's Erin. And I'm Michaela, and we're the hosts of the Two Sober Girls podcast, and we are on a mission to spill the wild truth about sobriety. Forget the rosé all day cliche. Sobriety is flipping amazing. Absolutely. It's not just about quitting the drink. It's a gift you give yourself and your loved ones. So what are you waiting for? Break up with that old toxic relationship with alcohol and let us show you the possibilities. And here's the thing. Everything your precious heart desires becomes way easier without the influence of alcohol. We're not just two sober girls. We're also wellness coaches. We're here to show you how to optimize health, lifestyle, and beauty, feel sexy and alive as F. 
So stay tuned because we're rolling out new episodes every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts and trust us. They have your name written all over them. We can't wait to share the magic of sobriety and wellness with you. Subscribe to Two Sober Girls Podcast today and come follow us on Instagram for behind the scenes action and send us a DM. We can't wait to meet you.